Dear listeners, Sairam, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba and this was first featured as part of Thursday Life on May 2nd 2013 and it is time for our afternoon satsang and this is Prem from Team Radio Sai and with me is Arvind from Team Radio Sai Sairam Arvind Sairam Prem and sairam to all our listeners from all around the globe it is indeed a honor and pleasure and privilege to be here on god's own radio channel from the spiritual capital of the universe prashantinilyam puttaparthi and we take this opportunity to offer our most humble and loving pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and thank him for this opportunity dear listeners every time a mail comes to us saying how beautiful it is an experience to live with radio sai how Radio Sai is taking them close to Swami. It really fills our heart with so much joy. It gives us a sense of fulfillment in what we do, and uh, we know that Swami has given us this very, very special privilege of working on His radio. Not because of anything else, because it is an opportunity to be an instrument in drawing people closer to Swami, and we really enjoy it when somebody says that you know we felt closer to Swami after listening to Radio Sai. And you know, Prem, that reminds me. Swami has said in his discourses that mm-hmm. as a definition for a true friend he says anybody who takes you away from god however good he may be whatever he may be doing is not a friend anybody who takes you towards god however cruel he may appear however he may look like as if he is not interested in your welfare mm-hmm. but since he is taking you towards god he is a true friend so swami has very beautifully given a definition or a yardstick to measure a true friend he says anybody who takes you towards god is a true friend anybody who takes you away from god is not a friend so in that angle also you know when when we receive so many mails where people say that thanks to radio sai we are able to remember swami and all this i feel that this is a beautiful friendship that is being forged between people from across the globe and it is being forged only because of the common love for swami and that is the magic of the love for god two absolute strangers from different parts of the globe can become good friends helping each other on this pathway to god and that happens because of swami's magical definitely. love definitely and in that sense dear listeners you are our best friends because in a sense it's because of you that we are actually getting to read so much about swami we are getting to think so much about swami in the attempt to bring swami's life to you I think we are dwelling much more deeper than we would have otherwise. So in that sense, yes, dear listeners, you all are our best friends because you are taking us closer to our Swami. Definitely, and Swami has had people visiting him from all parts of the globe. Officially, I think the Satisai organization has established itself in about one seventy countries as of now. Maybe more, I don't know, but I think that's an approximate number. So, Prem. as we saw during the uh, last satsang we were speaking about kamlapuram days you know we often hear of people coming from different parts of the world 
to visit Swami. Right. I think we should tell our listeners about one of the first overseas visitors, we may call him so, to visit Swami even during the Kamalapuram days, as early as in 1940 or 1939. Right. Exactly. And during when Swami was studying, I think, uh, as we had quoted before, Form the, 1, the middle school. Yes. Uh, dear listeners, the system of education as it was following the British system in those days, there used to be elementary school which consisted of standard 1, grade 1 to grade 5. That was considered elementary school. And then once somebody completed elementary school, they would join into form school. And therefore, it was called form 1 to form 5. That is once somebody completes grade 5, they join form 1 and this was called secondary school. At the end of elementary school, that is at the end of 5th grade, one had to write an exam called the ESLC exam or the elementary school leaving certificate exam and at the end of form 5, which would be grade 10, one would have to write the SSLC exam or the secondary school leaving certificate exam. So, Swami as little Satyam went to Kamalapuram after completing his elementary school and therefore it was in form 1 that he was in Kamalapuram. Yes, that is where we were. Exactly. And uh, I think we've heard Swami narrate this incident so many times. Swami said, you know, when he was sitting with his friends in the Kamlapuram railway station. I think we even spoke about the Kamlapuram railway station, how even today on Google Maps, it's such a small uh, place. and It has not changed much. It hasn't changed much. And that's pretty much how it would have been even more primitive than that those days. Swami used to say there was only one platform and it used to be a good thing for them as friends. They used to walk up to the railway station, sit on the, sit on the platform and just see the trains going by. It was a marvel for them, you know, to watch this train <coughs> that used to come because... That was something that they would not see in day-to-day life. Right. And uh, Swami had described the scene that one day when they were sitting and they were talking amongst themselves, they saw that in the train there was a foreigner. There was a, you know... White man. Or white man, as they would refer to him as. And the moment he saw Swami, there was a look of astonishment in his face. Hmm. And he was shocked to see Swami and he literally jumped out of the train even before it could stop. And he mm. fell there and everybody was looking at him and saying, what's wrong with this person? Why is he, uh, you know, in such a hurry? And then he picks himself up and he runs towards Swami and Swami says that he holds his hand and he says, you know, you're not an ordinary boy. On so many occasions, Swami has described this. Swami said once that he said, I love you, I love you. Mm. And one occasion, Swami said, you know, he looked at Swami and said, I have seen the Atma. Mm. On, during one discourse, Swami said that. And who was this gentleman? And then later Swami would reveal that this was a mystic, a very, very famous mystic in the early 1930s and 40s by name Ulf Messing. W-O-L-F-M-E-S-S-I-N-G. And dear listeners, you can even Google this name. He's a very, very famous mystic, uh, a Polish born, but who lived most of his life in Russia. And mm. he has a huge legend behind him, but we'll come to that a little later. I'll just complete this uh, description of the scene. So Swami would say that, you know, this person came and hugged Swami and would uh, started crying. Hmm. He was crying like a madman. And so, Swami's friends got scared seeing the scene. And you know, Swami would say that those are the days of the World War. No, World War II. 1940, 1940s, yes. 1940s, right. So, you know, the children were scared that there was some foreigner who has come to take away this child and they would forcibly make these uh, young teenage boys join the army. Hmm. Correct. So, you know, they were scared of 
some situation india like was that. actually a british colony like, at british that time british colony and therefore a lot of indians fought for the british in the war efforts right so then one of these children run to their father who was the uh, we spoke about him also right uh, ramesh whose father was a sirastidar correct so swami says that this boy runs to his father and tells him that there's one foreigner who is coming and trying to kidnap our satya hmm. so his father immediately picks up his jeep and comes and takes swami and goes to their house hmm. and swami says that wolf messing follows the jeep and then they go into the house they lock up the house and wolf messing comes and sits outside on the veranda you know all the while hoping that swami will come out and uh, by then uh, the father so of the boy so even in those days they had people waiting for the door glimpse. to open and swami to come and grant darshan it must have been the one of the earliest hmm. you know fortunate to discover swami even before swami declared himself yeah. you know we all know of swami to that extent swami has revealed himself to us hmm. but here was a person who recognized swami even before swami actually showed to the world what he was and it seems he went and sat mm. outside the house and uh, meanwhile this classmate of swami his father had sent word to seshma raju saying that you know such a thing has happened so satyam is safe in my house so after everything settles down i'll send him to your house till then let him be in my house mm. and so swami says that wolf messing sat outside the house for so many hours and at the end of it he wrote on the door saying that how fortunate you are that you are having divinity you are hosting divinity in your house and he said that you know maybe i don't have the fortune wow my fortune stops here i could only see him once and he goes away who was this wolf messing prem really you know wolf messing mm-hmm. uh, as i said he was a polish born mystic mm. and uh, you know he was in germany in initial years and he was a performing mystic you know performing mystic right they used to have these kind of uh, shows where they used to show their mental abilities Okay. do mind reading and uh, bend objects without touching them move objects without touching them okay and there were a lot of people who were doing this and wolf messing was one of those mm-hmm. and he was also popular for his predictions the story goes that once he predicted that hitler will lose when he does a move when the army of hitler turns southwards that is when his end would begin and hitler was uh, understandably infuriated by this and he uh, he issued a death warrant yeah death warrant in issued a reward on who gets him wolf messing oh, okay okay so wolf messing was forced to flee germany and that's how he, he felt that to... wolf was messing with him <laughs> <laughs> literally so you know he goes away to russia hmm. and there the other dictator was ruling you know stalin joseph stalin was there so even he comes to know about wolf messing hmm. so he gets wolf messing arrested and stalin himself comes to interrogate him oh okay and so uh, he wants to see how powerful is this guy as a mystic so he gives him two tasks the first one is that he has to rob a bank wolf messing has to rob a wolf bank wolf messing has to rob a bank and you know how wolf messing does it huh? he walks into a bank with a blank piece of paper okay and he convinces the cashier to give him 100000 rubles okay just through his mental abilities and that man also you know, hypnosis yeah hypnosis he takes 100000 rubles and gives it to him and all the while stalin's men are still seeing whether this guy is doing it only using his mental powers or using force okay right. and later when the cashier was shown the check with which he encashed 100000 he seems he fainted because the he blank paper, yeah huh? because he didn't realize that it was a blank paper that he was encashing okay. for this man this is a recorded incident yeah this is a recorded incident this was the first incident which uh convince talent about his abilities and the next task which he gave wolf messing was that you have to come and meet me in my country house 
and why, uh, why is that so tough yeah it is so difficult because knowing stalin he was mm. a very powerful dictator and mm. nobody could go into his presence if he does not permit it okay. unless there is an appointment and there are you know layers and layers of security around his house oh okay okay so wolf messing so wolf messing was not given permission yeah he said you have to come and meet me okay how you, you do it is your headache yeah, how you do it huh. so wolf messing gave a date and time he said i'll come and meet you then okay he gave the appointment yeah so stalin said let's see <laughs> nobody meets me if i don't want to meet them okay, okay. and in the appointed time wolf messing just walks into the study where stalin is seated how did he do that okay and then when he calls the guards and asks him how did you let this guy inside he realized that wolf messing had managed to convince every security guard he passed that he was beria the beria was the chief of kgb the main security force of stalin one of the very few people who had the direct access, access to, to direct access okay. he did not have an appointment so he convinced every you know uh, security guard who came by that he was beria walking in so this wolf messing who had the capacity to convince anybody that he's anybody and win himself an appointment even with joseph stalin had to pine and struggle to get an audience <laughs> with swami really and in fact you know 1980s i think in a discourse swami explained a lot about wolf messing other than this one incident as we all know you know stalin and uh, that period of time and socialism was on the rise on the communism rise. was on the rise hmm. stalin wanted to make a country of non believers literally okay he said i want to remove the idea of god and divinity from the children of this land he wanted to say there is nothing spiritual there is nothing like a spiritual outlook hmm. it is all about living in the body and you know the community living and socialism and all that not about life it's yeah, about so living it seems wolf messing was a person who went and spoke to stalin about the atma oh he said there is something like a soul which is the connecting force among all individuals and we mm. all are united that way and there was something definitely stalin could not accept and that is why swami said that when he came and saw this little satyam mm. he said i am seeing the atma wow because he was in the quest he wanted to visualize this atma he wanted to see the manifestation of this atma and when he saw swami he said i see that atma which i have been talking about all these years and incidentally the late 1930s and early 1940s that is when this kamalapuram 1940 when this kamalapuram episode occurred right those years actually are somewhat missing from wolf messing's if we see the biography that is because he was uh, traveling and running throughout the world war times and it actually even in his biographies even in his life it is said that he did visit india a couple of times hmm. because as i said he was a mystic and he was a spiritual aspirant and as always as you know centuries of civilization has shown that whoever has had a quest for spiritual insights invariably turned to india and he actually did come and there are records where he has met people like mahatma gandhi hmm but you know there is no clear idea of how many times he visited the exact dates and yeah. all that dear listeners there's actually one more beautiful episode that took place in the kamlapuram days but before we go into that since we have already come on to the topic there is one more interesting uh, if we can say interesting or important piece of information that is to be shared you know these were the days that is the world war 2 times when you know even in a in the life of a person like wolf messing who was a westerner and known to be a psychic and all those things the dates and days are not very clear 
now there are many critics there are many websites out there that you know openly criticize and say that things are very fudgy and they are not clear about swami's life the early days the dates don't match yes we agree that there seems to be there seems to be some fudginess and today we will reveal to you the secret behind the dates that appear to be mixed up or messed up if we look at swami's school records in all the school records they are beautifully preserved and shown in this uh, wonderful you know mammoth book if we can call it called love is my form a biographical series on sri satyasai baba in the first part of that series called the advent which is a 2600 pages book dear listeners if personally it is my opinion that each and every sai devotee family should own one of this because this is such a detailed labor of love with all such details and unbelievable photographs swami swimming in the village well you've seen it right prem right. <laughs> amazing photographs but coming back to the point in that book love is my form in that book we there is a reproduction of swami's school, school certificates right. school records in that the date of birth for swami little satyam satyanarayana raju has been given as sometime in october 1929 about 3 years 3 years the- after the actual date and that was done because they wanted swami to be younger than what he is so that his career prospects his parents actually wanted satyam to be a big revenue officer because they thought that is something that would be the pride of the family little did they know that he was going to become the pride of the whole universe but well because of that they had provided the date of birth as i think it is a i don't know if it's 5th or 10th but it was presented as october 1929 october 1929 right and from then on everything is measured so from 1929 it is measured and therefore when he was 6 year old from 1929 that is 1935 1935 he joined the elementary school at Puttaparthi right so he finished his elementary schooling that is five grades there so for his form 1 when he went to kamlapuram 1935 plus 5 years is 1940 so in 1940 he joined form 1 at kamlapuram and after that he returned back to bukapatnam and that is where we are also going to go to so in 19 42 he was in bukapatnam he spent only 1 year in kamlapuram one year in kamlapuram and one year in bukapatnam after one year he left bukapatnam school after that he had to write his eslc examination that is um, the elementary school leaving leaving certificate, certificate examination but since he had insufficient attendance we can only imagine by then you know satyam had re- not realized actually satyam it looks like swami did this schooling and all for you know satisfaction of the parents and others he needed no schooling so he didn't have sufficient attendance to write the examination because of which he had to sit at home for one year after which he actually wrote the examination and then he joined school at uravakonda and that is 1943 right according to school records satyam was a 14 year old lad then right that is counting from 1929 that is from 1929 as his date of birth right. which is wrongly mentioned in the school record but that was it so it was in uravakonda days it was during these uravakonda days that yeah we will come to that later but there was the scorpion sting and then a the series of episodes which resulted 
in the end with which culminated sorry not resulted which culminated with little satyam declaring himself to be sai baba and he, he gave his year. first song that is manas bhajare guru charanam and therefore if we see the records historical records it appears as if the date of avatarhood declaration was sometime in 1943 this is one more thing prem you will observe in every discourse when swami narrates about his childhood and this he always says 20th october when i was 14 year old swami never gives the year he never says 1940 in no discourse has swami mentioned the year 1940 he always says that it was the 20th of october and he was 14 year old and it appears as if swami was speaking of his age from his school records, school records. always he says i went to kamalapuram when i was 11 year old and if we see school records he went to the kamalapuram school in 1940 and if we take the false date of birth that was presented to the school 1929 then it's exactly years. 11 years we know prem you know swami had said that the body he would stay till 96 and there were so many questions asked why he left when he was 86 when it comes to years we have absolutely had no idea we do not understand the time scales we do not understand what swami refers to but going by the historical records and matching it it appears as if the timeline was like this that swami declared in 1943 and uh, because swami has said it is 14 year old and because swami said it is october 20th i think all our early chroniclers have taken it as 14 years from 1926 which is 1940, 1940. and that is why it has already you know been recorded as 1940 20th october and that has been accepted as avatarhood declaration day it does us no harm in accepting it but we just thought that it would be good to inform our listeners about this apparent discrepancy because a lot of sites seem to do negative propaganda about this and they seem to use this apparent discrepancy to say that the entire life story is not true there are so many mismatches it is not that way it is just this one thing that if we consider everything from swami's school age age according to school records everything falls perfectly in place in fact there is a lot of evidence which beautifully supports this 3 year discrepancy Mm-hmm. and so we will keep this in mind in fact there is one lady you know and she was named by swami okay. and according to her narrative she says that she was named by swami shortly before he declared right and her date of birth is recorded as september 1943 so it again makes sense that october 1943 was the avatarhood declaration october 20th 1943 right So dear listeners this is one small thing we have to keep in mind that swami's date of birth in school records was given as 1929 october 1929 and therefore whenever swami refers to his school age it seems to be in accordance to the school records which is actually 3 years greater than his actual age but you know in a sense this kind of glorifies that early years so much because if we go by the 1940 record Swami declared in 1940, mm. and you know the earliest records of people coming to Swami was in 43-44. Yeah, late 43 and early 1944. 44. And we'll by 1944, Swami was already in 
Bangalore. Bangalore he had been to Machili Patnam. He had been to Anantapur. Some in, towns in Karnataka. Yes, in early 1944. Right. But now if you look at this as 1943 was the declaration date. And when Swami declared, he threw his books and said, my devotees are waiting for me. I have to go. My work is waiting for me. And now if you see that, it is almost like Swami left the station of life he was leading and literally plunged into his mission. Because 1943, October, Swami declared and before the year could end, people started you know, flocking in Parthi. And we have records that show that in early 1945, that is within one year of this, there were busloads of people right. coming to Puttaparthi to have the darshan of Sai Baba. Exactly. Some of the devotees whom we have spoken about, Balapatabi, they were coming in busloads, 40-50 people. And I think uh, there was that thing of uh, how Subama and Kamlamma, right? Oh, yes. They narrate how exactly within a few months people start coming in. The so village close. headman in Puttaparthi was called the Karanam. Right. And uh, we have often heard Swami speak about Karanam Subama, right. the elder wife of the Karanam who served Swami so lovingly. In fact, the number of devotees coming after 1943 was so huge, that is after the declaration, that in 1943 and 1944, the Karanam, the village headman's home was actually used for sheltering and housing the devotees who came because there was no other place capable of accommodating so many people. The second wife of the Karanam, Karanam Kamalamma, she narrates, she says when Swami came back from Uravakonda. So now we know according to the school records, this is 1943. Right. So in 1943 when Swami came back from Uravakonda, she says that little Satyam whom she saw in half pants and the shirt, he walked to her and told her, Amma, I am not a human being. Believe me. Believe me, I am Ishwara. I am God. <laughs> I mean, just imagine Swami saying that. And she says, within months after that, I saw and understood what he meant. There were hundreds of people flocking to Puttaparthi and this was something totally unheard of, unseen in this hamlet. And they came and everybody seemed to be eager to talk to Swami. And Swami obliged everybody. And she says that Swami used to give them interviews in the middle of the night. Midnight also interviews would go on. <laughs> and then one more prophetic statement that Swami made that time. Swami told, you know, Kamalamma heart got moved. She saw that Swami was working day in and day out, untiringly, giving interviews and interviews and speaking and speaking, solving people's problems. So she said, Swami, why don't you take a little rest? Swami told her, Kamalamma, you don't realize. People are such that if I don't do this, <laughs> even a crow will not come to see me. But Kamalamma, a day will come when you will see that without me doing anything, people will flock here in the thousands. You will be blessed to see that. And Kamalamma indeed lived till a ripe old age into the 1980s and early 1990s when she could see this glory of Sai and she was so thrilled and she also said that even when Swami has become like this, you know, because she would never have imagined the glory of Swami, how it would grow. Even at that time, in the late 1980s and early 1990s, she said that Swami still remembers me. Now and then he keeps sending me saris, keeps <laughs> sending me prasadam. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed. I'm really blessed to have seen his glory grow like this. But Arvind, I think with deep reverence and humility, I should say that Swami lied there. When Swami said, 
people will flock to me even when i don't do anything hmm. because i think till the end swami never had a period of time when he was not doing anything you hmm. know there might have been a period where swami was spending hours together just sitting on that on the dais but i'm sure swami did much more because there had to be some reason why people were flocking here correct if swami was not doing things if swami was not drawing people in in his own way this couldn't have happened <laughs> literally and what a glorious life it is and we were so happy that we're getting to read this again so dear listeners as we said it will be nice if we can keep in mind this apparent discrepancy of the 3 years which have happened because of the school records that right. way but otherwise everything is beautifully in sync and now we shall keep the facts of the dates and the timeline Just going back to the schooling of swami according to satyam shamsundram the way the chapters are arranged it is like swami studied at puttaparthi studied at bukapatnam kamlapuram and orokonda but going by the records and as we described to you swami studied his primary in puttaparthi elementary school elementary in puttaparthi puttaparthi form 1 in kamlapuram form 1 in kamlapuram form 2 and form 3 in bukapatnam came back to bukapatnam and then and then finally in middle of form 4 that is 9th grade if we can call it so that is when he threw away his books at urovakonda and stopped barely few months at urovakonda few months in form 4 right as we will see later after form 3 that is 8th grade there is an exam that has to be written and swami narrates in detail about that exam also we shall come to all that later but before we bid goodbye to kamlapuram there is one small episode that must be mentioned mm-hmm. it was in kamlapuram as we discussed little satyam was staying at the home of his sister in law right seshamaraju's seshamaraju's in laws place so one day his brother in law that is seshamaraju's wife's brother his brother in law saw little satyam sitting on a wooden rocking chair mm-hmm. you know satyam had walked into the room he had seen this wo- uh, rocking chair he sat on the wooden rocking chair and began to rock himself now this brother in law of his walks in sees and he is very wild for no reason he gets angry and he says do you think you are a prince that you are sitting on this chair get up and he forcibly evicts him from the chair when this happened little satyam smiles at him and tells him you think i am a prince in days to come you will see who i am i am not just a prince that you think i am why a wooden chair i will sit on a silver chair that is what little satyam tells to shri subaraju right. who is his brother in law just to add a little thing to it swami says that one hmm. day i will sit on a silver throne which you will clean for me oh yeah that's <laughs> correct that's right that's what he says and subaraju get very angry at this statement but at that same time sheshamaraju mm-hmm. that is satyam's brother walks in so any distasteful no episode right. is prevented a few years later you know after the declaration in 1943 swami's mission seemed to have taken off very fast within a few years nobility around the country seemed to be flocking at his feet and that is how the rani of chincholi came to swami right. and when she saw that swami was sitting on a wooden chair her heart bled she had a specially ordered and made silver throne brought to puttaparthi right she said swami you are the king of kings you should sit on the silver throne but when it was brought it was the festival of shivaratri swami did not allow it to be opened and then came the other festivals guru purnima during which swami did not allow it to be opened it was sometime in dasara 
when this subaraju you know swami's brother in law was there swami called him and said you open it and you clean it up i think by then subaraju had become one of the devotees one of the devotees yes swami and even as he as he unveiled that throne he had tears in his eyes he realized the words he had spoken years before and the prophetic words that satyam had spoken to him i don't think there's any mistake on subaraju's <laughs> part because this is the mistake we all do ignorance when we don't know and many times we do these mistakes even after knowing who swami is and i'm sure you know the feeling which with which subaraju would have cried that day were, were not of repentance or you know a bitter feeling that i spoke like this to him it must have been a very very uh, feeling of, of overwhelming joy, you know, overwhelming joy that and love love for swami swami had played this drama with him often swami does he says these miracles or all these are just like my calling cards i show them to you or give them to you to give you an idea of my identity that's all so this wooden rocking chair episode is what had happened in kamlapuram and uh, i think prem we discussed why swami left kamlapuram right that i think yeah before that another important thing about kamlapuram what an aspect of swami which uh, blossomed in that kamlapuram days was that swami as a poet oh how could i forget that yes right. yes because Correct. you know as we uh, spoke of earlier swami composed that prayer song aharahatava and people knew that you know here was a telugu teacher's brother because seshmaraju was known as a qualified telugu teacher in uh, kamlapuram and here was his brother who was writing poetry in uh, in telugu, telugu in very good telugu quite unlikely for his age mm-hmm. so that is when you know uh, swami says kote subanna one of the businessmen in that area mm-hmm. who had a grocery who store who had a grocery store he comes to swami and says that you know you write nice poetry i've got a new medicine in my uh, the shop which is called balabaskara this was not an allopathic medicine right. it was an ayurvedic medicine and it had so many herbs and ingredients yeah, which must have been something like an energy uh, booster kind of vitalizing thing. good uh, for the stomach good for the liver good for the spleen any any kind of general uh, sickness you know prem in that love is my form book mm-hmm. if you see there is a picture of this balabaskara medicine the box <laughs> with its carton box covering okay. and in that you can see that all this is there you know right, that all. it's good for the stomach good for the spleen it's an all round rejuvenating medicine right and uh, he comes to swami and says that you know you write nice poetry why did you write a poem as a advertisement for this medicine mm. okay and he said i will give you a pair of clothes and, uh, and swami very nicely says in his discourses later he said if you talk of all these things don't even come near me just get out if you talk of giving money giving clothes don't even come near me mm. and then uh, swami said but i will write for you because you're asking and uh, the famous poem you know i don't know how many times you would have heard swami sing it out after so many years swami composed it when he was in you know 1941 as he said until the 2000s we have heard swami sing that song and you know though this was one of the first things that kote subarna asked for the kote subarna the businessman, the businessman. i'm sure later on having come to know who swami is he would surely have felt mixed feelings felt bad that from the avatar this is what he is asking an advertising slogan at the same time i am sure he would have cherished those beautiful memories throughout his life and maybe his children too are cherishing them it is literally you know testimony it's almost like evidence to what swami says in the beginning i give you what you ask for <laughs> so that you begin to ask for what i have come to give and that has been the case with kote subarna and everybody swami has given them and given us what we have asked for so that one day we re- realize that my god 
this is swami this is not what we are supposed to ask from him we have to ask for the highest and we all turn to that so here yeah, is an yeah. you know even though it's a commercial uh, jingle if you can call it so hmm. one of the earliest i think in this region you know the fact that swami kept recollecting this kote subanna hmm. just kept recollecting this particular episode hmm. i'm sure it you know he must have been a person who had earned this merit correct the swami after so many years would always quote his name you know always recollect kote subanna i'm sure swami would have written so many poems in that period of time swami said that you know he he had taken up the task of educating the children around him the friends he mm. wanted to bring them he must have written so many poems but always this poem was repeated when swami correct. used to talk about his kamlapuram days talk about his childhood why don't we listen to that prem definitely i'm going to play that discourse clip i think swami even explains how he came to write that uh, song nannu chaduvu nimittamai kamalapuram ani pamparu bhagavan was sent to kamalapur for studies kadapaku dabeepamlone untuntadi and it is so close to kadapa taadapatrike kadapaku madhyalo untuntadi kamalapuram it is in between taadipatrike and kadapa aa kamalapuram lo pote there in kamalapuram ఎట్ట తెలిసిపోయిందో ఏమిటో కొట్టే సుబ్బన్న అనేటువంటి వాడు పరిగెత్తొచ్చాడు నా దగ్గరికి సత్యం రాజు మీరు చాలా మంచి కవిత్వం కడతారట నేను కవిత్వం కట్టడం లేదు నాకు నోటుకు వచ్చినవన్నీ కవిత్వమే నేను చెప్పినవన్నీ కవిత్వమే Bhagavan said it's not composition whatever i say it is poetry whatever i write is literature chudandi meeku oka jatha nenu chokka ni karu gustano i'll get it a pair chi attati maatalu ikkada ravaddu nee bichyam kosam nenu kaatsukunnana attaithe nee nitho maatadalo ani cheppanu i am not prepared to accept all your gifts i am not going to talk to you if you come with such proposal appudu aayu vachi naaku kottadi oka mandu vachindi Now it was a time when a new medicine was introduced in the market. Ah mandu yokka palathamlanta rasichadu. He narrated all the results of Dan the medicine. Dani peru Balabhaskara ani peru. The name of the medicine happened to be Balabhaskara. Ah Balabhaskara peru paina oka paata rasichi pillanni istha nenu aa pillantho bazaar bazaar paadinchandi annaru. He wanted Bhagwan to write a song on Balabhaskara medicine which would be learned by boys. Oka kantaku raapom annanu. ఇంకో గంటకు రామన్నాను భగవాన్ వాంటెడ్ హిమ్ టు రిటర్న్ ఆఫ్టర్ నౌ క్లాసులు ఉన్నాయి క్లాసులు జరుగుతున్నాయి అండ్ ఇట్ వాస్ ద టైం ఇన్ క్లాసెస్ వర్ ఆల్సో కొండప్ప చాలా కఠినమైనటి వాడు కొండప్ప ఇస్ అ వెరీ స్ట్రిక్ట్ డిసిప్లినేరియన్ అబ్దుల్ కాదర్ చాలా మంచి వాడు ఇస్ వెరీ గుడ్ కనుక ఇలాంటి వీటితో నేను నా కర్తవ్యాన్ని నేను నిర్వర్తించాలి సో ఐ షుడ్ డిస్చార్జ్ మై డ్యూటీ ఇది గడిచిన తర్వాత నేను వస్తాను మీరు రాండి ఒక గంట అయిన తర్వాత అన్నాను బెటర్ యు కమ్ ఆఫ్టర్ ఎన్ అవర్ మెట్టు వేసాను పాట చెప్పాను అండ్ హీ జస్ట్ అఖండమగుబాగ పరిచయండి బాలకులారా రండి బాలకులారా ఓ బాయ్స్ కమ్ హియర్ టేక్ దిస్ బాలభాస్కర ఇట్ విల్ గివ్ యు రిలీఫ్ ఫ్రమ్ ఆల్ కైండ్స్ ఆఫ్ పెయిన్స్ జాయింట్ పెయిన్ అది ఎక్కడ అని అడిగేరన్నా ఇఫ్ యు ఆస్క్ వేర్ ఇట్ ఇస్ అవైలబుల్ అదిగదిగో కొట్టే సుబ్బన్న దేర్ ఇస్ ద షాప్ ఆఫ్ కొట్టే సుబ్బన్న అంగడి ఎందే దొరుకును అన్న ఇట్ ఇస్ అవైలబుల్ దేర్ బాలకులారా రండి బాలకులారా కమ్ అలాంగ్ హియర్ బాయ్స్ ఈ విధంగా వాడికి రాస్తే వాడికి 
పండితజి గోపాలాచార్యుల పవనమైన టానిక్కన్నా బాలకులారా రండి బాలకులారాచార్యవన్నీ చెప్పేటప్పటికి ఆ కొట్టే సుబ్బనకు చాలా ఉల్లాసం అయిపోయింది పుట్టడు లడ్డు తీసుకొచ్చాడు అండ్ హీ బ్రాట్ లడ్డు నేను చెప్పాను నా దగ్గర తీసుకురాదు అందరికి మొదలు పంచుకున్నాను నా మనసే తీపు నా ప్రేమనే తీపు ఇంక ఈ ప్రేమనంతా నాకెందుకు పంచిచ్చాను and the sweets were distributed to all ee vidhanga prathi okka vyakti kodunu edo oka rikithiga sahayam chesi vaalaku utsaha parchi vaalaku aananda parche etuvanti de na yokka pradhanamaina kartavyam bhagwan made everybody happy encouraged everybody and he has shown the correct path to everyone there was really a sweet clip there really prem when when we hear swami speaking like this i just wish if we can just hear to his whole story told in his own words of course swami has not done that here and there he has spoken but it would be so wonderful right i mean <laughs> i i feel that we are such low and you know mean substitutes for what could have been such a wonderful narrative wow i just wish swami had narrated everything like this but well dear listeners you are stuck with us <laughs> you have to listen to us narrating the story and you know yeah this is what one of the other important events which happened in uh, kamlapuram and swami would even later say you know that uh, seshamaraju was actually getting a little you know when people would come and tell him that you know it seems your younger brother the 10 year old boy he is composing nice poetry like this and again when they say they're 10 or 11 year old it's according to school yeah, records according to the school records <laughs> okay and uh, seshamaraju would get a little upset that's no because he was the telugu scholar of the house <laughs> and here his younger brother was getting all the accolades limelight huh right so uh, coming back to you know how that shift happened swami had gone to kamlapuram to stay with his brother and study there seshamaraju himself took him actually mm. what happened and why swami came back to bukapatnam according to the records we have here is because i think the we narrated that incident when he came pushpagiri back from the pushpagiri fair mm. and he was treated badly when he returned and that was exactly the time when the miscarriage of seshamaraju's wife happened hmm. and venkamaraju was the father the father of swami was called and he heard from the neighbors the account of how this young boy was being uh, uh, ill treated and that is when uh, venkamaraju tells swami that you come away to puttaparthi even if it calls for me selling salt and taking care of you we'll do it hmm. you don't have to suffer like this and again swami says there you know this is not the time for me to leave here leave this place because mm. they are already going through a trauma and uh, if i also leave they will not even have that support correct so he promises his father that you go i will come very mm. shortly when the time is fine mm. i will come back home and that is exactly what happens because swami finishes that one year and then swami returns back to puttaparthi and continues his education in the bukapatnam school so for form 2 he joins bukapatnam school right and uh, that i think should be 42 1940 was when he joined Kamalapuram right so uh, if we see satya's transfer certificate from the bm school at kamalapuram mm-hmm. it shows that uh, he left the school right. on the 22nd of april 1941 mm-hmm. so that is when he left kamalapuram 
and if we see the bukapatnam elementary school records it shows that satya joined there on the 5th of july 1941 so exactly the following academic year exactly so 3 months summer vacation at home in puttaparthi <laughs> and 1941 he has joined the bukapatnam school and you know again in the bukapatnam school records also his date of birth is recorded as 4th of october 1929 29 so that mistake or that error that was purposely introduced by the parents so that satya is younger and he has better career prospects carried on throughout his school right and also i think it's it was a common thing that in those days The yeah. year was not recorded properly. Yeah, Prem, I'll tell you one small incident that happened. Maybe a small diversion, but very relevant here. Mm-hmm. A few months ago, okay, the maid servant at home, mm-hmm. she didn't come for work that day. You know, so uh, called her. She too has a cell phone. <laughs> she doesn't know how to read the numbers. She doesn't know how to read names. She is not literate, but she has a cell phone. So called her and found out that she had an injury. Apparently, the pedestal fan at home. had broken apart and oh. the blade had come and hit her on the forehead there was a deep gash and she was bleeding okay so we took immediately took her to the general hospital mm-hmm. here and so when she was getting treated there for the record she supposed to give her name age and all that right when we asked her her age she said uh, i think i am somewhere about 20 to 30 <laughs> now, this was shocking to us because she has a daughter who has completed her 10th grade now which means her daughter is at least 15 year old 15 to 17 15 year old and she says she is just in her 20s so we asked her when we actually found out we asked her what was her daughter's age she says her daughter was must be about 17 or 18 which means that you know some years she has missed so an 18 year old daughter and she says she is 28 <laughs> said it could not be possible at all and she had lost a first child before this daughter also so we had to approximate her age and put it something like 40 or 41 because that is what she looks like so you see in the villages even to this day age and date of birth all these nobody seems to adhere to it they just throw some age if you ask how old are you yeah i think i am 30 that's what exactly, this uh i also found that when filling some forms the government forms and all here you know when you do it in a city hmm. there they ask date of birth yeah so here there is date of birth and the next column is is it recorded or declared <laughs> or oh, declared or recorded <laughs> yeah because there are a lot of people whose date of birth is not recorded you know it's a little in the interior villages people don't go in for uh birth certificates and all that so mm. i think if that is the situation now in the 21st imagine century you can imagine what back. it would have been you know that in almost 100 that, years back i think just when the admission into schools came that was when they would have thought of giving a date and giving a year of birth hmm. so it's quite understandable that this discrepancy was there and it was carried from school to school so yes coming back to the story when swami joined bukapatnam and bukapatnam is about 4 or 5 kilometers from puttaparthi <laughs> even today there is a road that goes via karnataka nagapalli and goes to bukapatnam it's so beautiful prem to go you know it's easy you can take some vehicle and go to bukapatnam have a look the school where swami studied is still there and bang up op- opposite to the school is the lakshmi narayana temple complex of which the hanuman temple is prominent and lakshmi narayana is a form of lord vishnu It's so beautiful because it is said after the school hours, mm-hmm. Swami would go to Bukapatnam, 
బుకపట్నం టెంపుల్ దిస్ లక్ష్మీనారాయణ టెంపుల్ లక్ష్మీనారాయణ టెంపుల్ ఓకే అండ్ హీ వుడ్ స్పెండ్ సమ్ టైమ్ దేర్ బిఫోర్ గోయింగ్ హోమ్ అండ్ నౌ వీ హ్యావ్ అ రోడ్ దట్ లింక్స్ బుకపట్నం టు పుట్టపర్తి బట్ దోస్ డేస్ దేర్ వాజ్ నో రోడ్ so swami would actually walk across the bukapatnam tank that bukapatnam tank is still there a huge tank means it's not actually a tank it's a lake a huge lake which is called as a tank in this part of the world it's called a tank but it's a huge lake the bukapatnam so, tank actually it is called a tank because it's man made it's man made yes right. it was made by bukaraya bukaraya who was a part of the vijayanagar empire right that ruled this part i think about 800 to 900 years before right Uh, Vijayanagar Empire book. You know, it, it also shows the culture of this land. You know, mm. the story, if you read Bukaraya's story, he says that, you know, it's a huge empire, Vijayanagar Empire. He Correct. comes towards this area, the Bukapattam area, with the idea to build a tank. Mm. So that for centuries to come, you know, people will benefit from a water source. And now, you know, that was the administrator of those days, 900 years ago. <laughs> Today, the modern day administrator... God has to come down and <laughs> provide us with water source. Yeah, no, no. The thing is, the Bukapatnam tank has been dried up, Prem. It's painful and I realized when I went and made some inquiries, I came to know that the government has started apparently some kind of irrigation scheme and they have put in water pumps everywhere and they're simply pumping out water from all the little ponds and lakes that are there throughout... the district and therefore every water body has been dried up <laughs> gone other days i remember as late as during bhagwan's 85th birthday i got a chance to go near the bukapatnam tank and taken pictures if you look at the pictures prem it looks like one ocean there and today it is left to a few puddles of water and the whole tank bed has been converted into an agricultural field where crops are being grown there are standing crops throughout the year even during the monsoons because the minute water comes a pump is used to pump out the water quite interesting that you mentioned that in fact in satyam shun sundaram this mm. description is there you know though uh, we are telling that now it's field mm. we just hope it changes because that was a practice in this region of you know andhra mm. where it, during the summer months or closer to the summer months these b- water bodies would dry up mm. and then they would convert them into fa- paddy fields correct Okay and then when the monsoon comes it would fill up and again become as i this said one. this used to happen till the 85th birthday right. but now last monsoon i saw that however heavy the rains last monsoon was not so good but before that it was a pretty good monsoon but the bukapatnam tank hardly felt any wetness and that's because if you go there today you will see two motor pumps that have been installed mm-hmm. which are constantly pumping out the water the minute it starts filling there because you know it's all i don't know whether it is need or greed it is all so that throughout the year now it serves as a crop growing field right. so it is indeed sad but well <laughs> i can't help these <laughs> digressions that come in but even to this day that booker patnam tank is there and this lakshmi narayan temple complex is there this complex is interesting because in the hanuman temple there once it is said that gummagatta subbarao who was a local government clerk mm-hmm. he and his wife tippamma used to live in this complex okay and this tippamma this lady observed that there was this little boy who was coming into this temple every day so one day she secretly followed him to see what he was doing mm-hmm. and she says that this boy would sit behind the hanuman statue okay and he would wave his hand and materialize a photograph of shirdi baba okay and then materialize all the items needed for worship mm-hmm. incense sticks 
फ्लावर्स कैम्फर ही वुड यूज इज ओन लिटल पाम एज अ कैम्फर प्लेट लाइट द कैम्फर ऑन इट एंड डू आरती जस्ट इमेजिन दिस दिस इज ओनली पॉसिबल बाई गॉड प्रेम आई मीन इफ समबडी इज मेटीरियलाइजिंग दे वुड यूजली ट्राई टू एग्जिबिट इट और मेक अ पब्लिक थिंग आउट ऑफ इट हियर वॉज स्वामी इन वन स्मॉल कॉर्नर मेटीरियलाइजिंग ऑब्जेक्ट्स फॉर वर्शिप मेटीरियलाइजिंग फ्रूट्स मेटीरियलाइजिंग स्वीट्स ही वुड इवन प्रिपेयर अ काइंड ऑफ स्वीट विथ एंड देन ऑफर इट टू गॉड आफ्टर दैट इट सीम्स ऑल द फ्रूट्स एंड एवरीथिंग ही पैक्ट इन दिस बैग वेंट टू स्कूल एंड देन डिस्ट्रीब्यूटेड अम टू ऑल इज फ्रेंड्स एंड दे वुड वंडर फ्रॉम वेयर दिस केम and swami used to tell them that this has been given to me by a shakti shakti meaning a goddess mm-hmm. shakti also means a power so he said he used to say that satyam has given this to me take it enjoy it eat it but don't tell your parents don't tell anybody because if you tell then the shakti will stop giving that is the reason why maybe we have lost so many of the childhood leelas and miracles because the children who experience these beautiful things kept silent about it right and i think uh, in a sense you know very very beautifully swami established some things in kamalapuram and that grew a bit in bukapatnam hmm. and later we would see that by the time urvakunda swami went swami's fame had already reached there hmm. and people were like eager to come and we'll come to that later as i said so in bukapatnam things started happening like you know some things i'm sure many of the things would have gone unrecorded Mm. thanks to some inquisitive souls <laughs> we have at least got a description of what swami did in that temple but i'm sure that there must have been so many things little things which should have happened amongst Not only his this friends. temple prem you know i'm very very happy to say that just next to the tank there was one chaudamma temple not mm-hmm. was is you know when i first went on my bike to visit bukapatnam i saw this temple it was very nice i went inside i saw there was one kind of devi there i did not understand which devi it was and i asked the priest also he said i didn't remember because then they said that this is the village deity for bukapatnam that is what i accepted it was only later with that when i saw the pictures and photos and the description i realized that that is the chaudamma temple it is said that little satyam you know in the lunch break he would go to this temple because mm-hmm. it would be peaceful and calm and uh, you know his mother as we described earlier would tie this ragi sankati and ragi ball in a cloth early in the morning and by the time satyam would reach school you know it would have all got stuck with the cloth and dried and hard so he would dip it in, in a passing stream. Uh, rivulet right. stream that still runs you know a small canal still runs behind this chaudamma temple mm-hmm. and i feel dear listeners when you visit puttaparthi please take some time out it is just 5 kilometers away and it is seen this chaudamma temple is still there even today it exudes the same peace that it exuded then and one can understand why little satyam would go there and spend hours apparently doing nothing just sitting peacefully there I in the temple that, that also would have explained the lack of attendance in bukapatnam school <laughs> <laughs> right you really don't know how many days swami spent contemplatively sitting in these temples hmm not drawing peace from them i'm sure you know invigorating these shrines which would have stood for so many years before that so I mean, that can be felt even today prem right absolutely. recently i had visited this temple hmm. you know and th- that is the thing you know even the bukapatnam school i think still they have that attendance sheet of swami this one because i uh, sometime back i met one person who is a shopkeeper in puttaparthi hmm. now and earlier he had been a teacher in that school hmm. so one of the first things he did was he went and had a photocopy of that attendance sheet and he hmm. ca- carries it around like how you would carry a photo of swami he hmm. carries it around as a memento 
Satya was my student. <laughs> no, he was not Swami's teacher. He okay. he was a teacher much later in the recent oh, okay, years. Okay, okay, okay. But still, he worked in a school yeah, where Swami where studied. Swami studied. So first thing he did was he went to the office. They still have preserved that attendance sheet. Hmm. So he took a copy of it and he kept it to himself. Wow. And when he met me, he you know he pulled it out and he said, "I worked in the school, and I had a copy of this." Thanks to this book, now I think all of us can possess a copy of that <laughs> school record sheet. Right. And I think uh, another important event which happened in Bukapatnam, mm-hmm. one of the legendary events, and I would say legendary events because there were these are very very few events which Swami kind of popularized. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there might have been so many things happening. Mm-hmm. If Swami spent one year amongst friends. There would have been innumerable incidents which would have happened, but there were only few which Swami chose to speak about even much later. Mm. And one of those incidents were once when Swami was punished in a classroom. Oh yes, <laughs> it is so famous that it has also been um, recorded and made into a model in Chaitanya Jyoti right. Museum. And uh, the event happened. Swami says, you know, that uh, Swami was sitting in a class mm. and the teacher was taking his lessons. I think uh, the teacher's name was. Was was it that uh, Kundappa only? No, I do not remember the teacher's name, but we just know that Mahbub Khan was the next teacher. Right. Next. So class. this was one of the teachers who were not very fond of the stories which he was hearing, mm. because you know some of the staff in the school had the idea that you know he was being helped by some strange force or some angel or something. So they didn't like the idea, and you know, understandably, popularity always calls for some kind of cynicism. Also, mm. that happens even today. <laughs> right. So he was one of those teachers who did not like this little Satya. So then, you know, in a class, he found that everybody was taking down notes, but Swami was sitting and you know idly, literally just staring at the board. And that's when this teacher got very angry and said, "Why aren't you taking down notes?" And Swami said, uh, "I don't need to. Ask me whatever. Ask you want. me whatever you want from this lesson or from any other lesson. Mm. I will answer you." Wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're saying wow now, but I'm sure even as a teacher, that would have been a sign very of... infuriating. Uh, yeah, infuriating. And so he got very angry and he said, you need to learn a lesson or two in humility. So stand on the bench. And Swami very uh, you know, obediently obliged. He stood on the bench. And this man went and sat on his chair. And then the, the whole period, Swami stood on the bench and the whole period, this man sat on the chair. And the bell rang and strangely, this man wouldn't leave the classroom. Okay, and that was when, as you said, Janab Mehboob Khan, hmm. another person whom Swami so fondly remembers, is this person Mehboob Khan, and who he had a, recognized Swami's divinity. Yes, who was an English a teacher, a Muslim, and you know the way he would treat Swami was not like how the closest you could say is maybe an elder brother would treat his younger brother, but you know it was beyond that also. He was not treating Swami like how a teacher would treat a student because he respected Swami, right? And as you say, he was a Muslim. And very often he would invite Swami home for lunch. Mm-hmm. And it's just Mehmoo Khan will tell that, you know, yesterday itself I've started cleaning all the vessels. Because he was he would have been a non-vegetarian. Correct. And he said, the vessels in which I'm going to cook for you will be completely different from the vessels which we usually use. And he would plead with Swami, you know, please come home. That was the love he had. And Swami would say, you know, he would hold Swami's hand. And he says, Satyam, you're going to guide so many thousands of people in the future. Hmm. You're going to be a blessing for so many people's lives. Mm. That's what he used to tell to the student office. Mm-hmm. And you know, Swami, whenever he recollects Mehmoo Khan, Swami would say that he was an evolved soul. He was a person who who could recognize divinity even then. Mm. So he was the teacher who was scheduled to take the next class. He was an English teacher. So he comes in and he's shocked that you know. And 
given the description of mahbub khan he was always eager to come to the class because he can meet satyam he can you know be in the presence of uh, satyam so he was kind of restless that uh, this teacher was not <laughs> giving up his seat mm-hmm. and he was even more shocked to see swami standing on the bench because mm-hmm. according to him he was the most obedient student best student the ideal student and here was satyam being punished so the first thing he says he comes and says why are you making satyam stand on the bench so then the teacher explains what happened and then he says why why aren't you leaving your chair like your period is over i am mm. supposed to take over so this teacher calls mahbub khan close by and whispers in his ear that you know this is the problem i am not able to get up from this chair i am stuck to this chair and immediately mahbub khan realizes what is the situation he says you ask satyam to get down then it will be fine hmm okay by then you know the students understand what the predicament of this teacher and they all start giggling amongst themselves so left with no other option this teacher looks at satyam and says okay you get down and the moment swami steps down from the bench hmm the chair leaves <laughs> the teacher and he is able to get up years later while relating the story swami would say that he had willed it to be so not out of his anger against the teacher but purely to demonstrate himself and to gradually prepare the minds of the people for the announcement of his identity that was right. coming absolutely and you know describing this scene i remember when i was a student one of the teachers were describing this scene hmm. and whenever this scene is described we've heard it so many times so you kind of have the feeling that hey, i've heard this before you know correct uh, this teacher of ours sanjay sani sir when he was narrating this in swami's presence he narrated this whole story in thrai brindavan in thrai brindavan and then he made a statement which made this whole episode so beautiful you know hmm. he said and so swami got down from the bench and this man could stand up and then he said god descends for man to ascend wow <laughs> is really such a beautiful way of putting it and literally that's what swami was doing as you said he was preparing the minds of people for what was to come hmm. this teacher feeling you know little slighted the way satyam used to be in the class is not an uncommon one there was one more teacher shri subarnachar okay who got very angry on uh, satya mm-hmm. and uh, again this was the same thing notes not being taken down <laughs> and when the teacher asks satyam says that you know i don't need to take down notes you ask me whatever question i shall answer you so subarnachar asked him to spread out his palm he wanted to cane him and as the teacher you know raised the cane to strike this boy's palms he was stunned because in the boy's little palm he saw the image of shirdi sai baba oh and uh, he could not hit you know but not always did swami you know do these miracles in the way we call them to save himself of predicaments because it was that many of the classmates you know many of swami's classmates were not just students of his age they were much elder to him also because people would often fail you know in fact one of those who was along with satyam mm-hmm. in the class you know his name was t venkatasamy okay he says that the eslc exam that came which satyam was not allowed to sit for because he did not have sufficient attendance, attendance. he says that in the class of about 42 41 got permission to write the exam and the one who did not get was satyam and you know that year how many failed that exam 41 failed <laughs> so he says without exception including myself all of us failed because that was the way it was you know it was not very good system of education and exams were tough so lot many students had to repeat 
years after years they would repeat the same class and so they would grow old seeing the same class you know <laughs> and therefore in satyam's class also there were many who were much elder to him but there one of the teachers had a very peculiar kind of habit that is the most ideal student mm-hmm. this was a teacher who liked satyam okay but the most ideal student would be called and told to punish all other students who had made errors and so on one occasion it so happened that only satyam had got something right and the teacher wanted satyam to slap every other student in the class okay and swami narrates it in a discourse he says the way it should be done was with his left hand he supposed to hold the nose of the student <laughs> and with his right hand slap okay swami just refused to do that means you know hitting or injuring is never part of his psyche now the teacher kept on telling you should do it you should do it and now he felt his ego at stake here i am telling my favorite student to do something and he is disobeying so he got angry and he told satyam you better do it so when the threat was issued swami says he did that but how did he do it he went held the nose of the boy gently patted them on the cheek and that's how when he went around when he did that the teacher really blew his top mm-hmm. he came to satyam and said are you hitting them or are you kissing them is that the way you do is that the way you touch so what he did was in his anger he held satyam's nose and slapped him left and right and so at the end of it satyam ended up with swollen cheeks but he had nothing but a smile on his face you know even though he had all the powers in the universe he never for once like he showed all his life used those powers for himself it was only for others and even he had his body suffer for the sake of others that is what we have seen even till the end and that is what he did even in the beginning he took slaps on everyone's behalf and saved the whole class and the other thing about bukapatnam the poet in swami continued you know even when he came to bukapatnam uh, and one of the poems which swami would narrate even the years later was how swami used to make fun of the you know the village elders mm. for their funny habits mm. like modern habits and all that one of the things was the karnam subhama's husband <laughs> the swami would say that he had a, that Uh, the fashion the peculiar fashion those days was the, was that hitler mustache mm. and swami would write poems making fun of them uh, swami says that during those days you know that was the time i think when western influences started more and more on india the women who used to wear those big bottus bottus are on the forehead they would right. wear a color vermilion mark that began to be replaced with tiny stickers what we call as bindis today tiny stickers and that that was the fashion that women began to adopt and the men as you said they would shave off their long mustache and keep it just under the nose a small patch under the nose and all these modern fashions and people assume airs because of this they would feel that they are notches above the rest of humanity because of these fashions and that is what swami did not like because they were just aping aping somebody else and therefore swami came up with compositions In fact Swami says that uh, this composition which you said you know that Karnam had this mustache he would have some of the children learn that stand in front of the Karnam's house and keep singing it you know clapping their hands and singing it <laughs> means the way you know the children can get very you know very pestering and cranky <laughs> irritating the all these kids would stand and sing this in front of the Karnam's house and he would come rushing out with a stick and Swami had taught each of these boys how they should run away into different lanes okay. and so they would run away into different lanes and the karnam would not know which lane he should run behind to catch whom and so he would give up after some time and come back 
once he comes back home immediately again these five six boys will come back gather and again start their poem they will go on you know harassing him swami says that they did it so much that finally the karnam shaved off his entire mustache and <laughs> gave up these fashions fads and gave up the airs too so swami has always you know pricking the ego making people give up airs this has been his job even from his childhood <laughs> so we'll just play that small clip where swami himself is reciting one of those poems which you know mocking modernity so we'll just listen to that discourse clip babu nanu pilche twenty varu satya satya ani pilche twenty varu they all address bhagwan as satya satya neevu mem oka drama vestunnamu we want to enact a play ee drama lo unnatundi deenni kada oka katha maadri rasi we want you to compose daanne oka paata maadri katti we also include a song ee prapanchaniki prabodham saavinchali meer maaku sahayam cheyali annaru and this has to be publicized and propagated we want your help appudu nenu cheppanu then bhagwan said sare siddhanga undandi iddaru pillalu naaku ivandi annanu he said be ready i want two boys iddaru pillalu teesukoni vachanu two boys came vaalaku nenu neripistu vachanu and bhagwan taught them emitani what is it ఆ పిల్లలకి పాటలు నేర్పించి పబ్లిక్ లో పోయి పాడాలి అంతరించి మోసగించి పసుపు పోయే ఏమి కాలంబు వచ్చెను గడియారం ప్రాచీన సంబంధం correct for a boy of that age mm-hmm. in that lullaby swami would actually describe the whole world, world situation the scenario in that you know why aren't you sleeping are you scared that hitler is taking his army towards you know this this one stalingrad right yes. or are you scared that this army is splitting the up red armies of stalin are going to come right. and invade here yes and it was a time when none of these people were aware of such things happening you know in in the world mm so that was one of the talents of 
Swami which showed up and the other challenge which was actually continuing because in the early Bukapatnam Bhutapati days the Pandhari Bhajan group we spoke of so there Swami as a performer was showing up but when Swami came back to Bhutapati you know in that time Swami would go with his friends to see these performing artists there would be dancers exactly one of the most uh, you know memorable things about Swami's stay at Bukapatnam was his astounding and super supreme dancing talent you know a popular professional dramatic troupe used to often visit these areas and among them was one that is rishyendra mani right rishyendra mani was known to be a very highly acclaimed dancer and people were thrilled watching her dance her grand finale act was when she would balance a bottle on her head mm-hmm. and then bend down and pick up a handkerchief from the ground with her mouth mm. now this used to be the grand finale act and everybody would be mesmerized by this and this was what people would go to watch and therefore you know for the school's annual day function they had invited rishendra mani to come and give a performance mm. now this was something big and everybody were so thrilled and excited satya school was you know hosting rishendra mani the great rishendra mani the legendary rishendra mani mm. but unfortunately today i'll say it is fortunately but that time unfortunately due to some illness rishendra mani failed to turn up mm-hmm. and all the school authorities you know they were very tense and they were pensive they were worrying what will happen now because rishendra mani is not there it was at that time that satyam little satyam stepped forward and said that he would perform in place of rishendra mani mm-hmm. they were all shocked what is he speaking but then satyam not only went on stage to perform in place of rishendra mani mm-hmm. he even dressed up as a girl okay and he did it so well that people were convinced that it's a girl on stage mm-hmm. and since nobody had seen rishendra mani they had only heard about her glory mm-hmm. you know nowadays when we hear that somebody performed so well or somebody did so well there are photographs those time there were no photographs so people have heard rishendra mani they have not seen her okay. they just know that she is a teenage girl So when Satyam came up on stage dressed as a teenage girl nobody could say the difference. But then what about the dance? <laughs> that is where you know Swami's glory comes in. He it is said that he danced so well so in such a versatile fashion that people were so thrilled and when it came to the grand finale act Swami did something beyond their expectations. He balanced the bottle on his head but instead of picking up a handkerchief on the ground with his mouth he picked up a needle on the stage with his eyelashes and eyelids <laughs> and people were simply thrilled it is said that a british officer who was present during the function was so impressed that he wanted to pin a medal to rishendra mani's chest you know the little girl's chest as a proud badge of honor but you know satyam nobody knew that it was actually satyam in the guise of rishendra mani he see see how swami you know keeps up the dharma sanganiti yeah that's what morality in the society he did not allow a man to pin the badge to his chest because he was dressed as rishendra mani it's a woman it is not proper he instead received the badge with his palms in his hands and this we see even during the convocation right we see that whenever the medalists are announced to the boys swami puts it around their neck but to the girls he always hands over the medal in their hands 
this maryada purushottam that swami is he has always been this way since the childhood and therefore when he was dressed as a girl he did not take the medal onto his chest he received it in his hands it was only the next day that you know rama subama the district education board president she had been called to give away prizes and when the name of rishendra mani was called it was little satyam who walked up to the stage and that was when the entire school and everybody realized that it was satyam who had actually come in rishendra mani's role and so the headmaster also praised satyam for having saved the school its face and the district education board president ramasubama she was very very impressed and she actually got funds for the school because the school was fostering such such wonderful time. students you know i don't know whether the school fostered satyam or satyam fostered the school it's always the case of swami fostering everything and everybody who comes to his umbrella and talking of the bukapatnam days now another important incident Mm-hmm. Swami himself is narrated many times. Is during the time when uh, Swami's sister Venkama was building a house, and you know those days you had to make everything. Even the bricks were handmade. You would oh, okay, buy yes. bricks. Mm-hmm. You make bricks, let them to dry, and then build your house with it. So she had uh, you know laid the bricks for drying, and that is when suddenly they saw that beyond the Chitravati, they were seeing dark clouds approaching the the village. which means there's going to be a huge downpour and if it happens the whole bricks will get washed off and it'll be one huge mound of clay oh yes so mm. then uh, there was a panic in the in the household and somebody suggested to her why didn't you cover the whole mound of bricks with the dry sugarcane leaves so then where do you get the sugarcane leaves from and so somebody suggested to her that across the river in bukapattam there is one person and you could go and take it from him so here was the whole family and the neighborhood running towards the other end of chitravati to get these leaves so that the, you can cover this whole mound in time before it rains you know mm-hmm. and suddenly swami also joins them like uh, towards bukapatnam and suddenly swami stops in the middle of the chitravati river bed and looks up and in a kind of very strange and powerful voice swami says venkamma vana radu means venkamma the rain will not come mm <laughs> and you can imagine the scene everybody turns back and here is this little boy standing and pointing towards the sky and says the rain will not come and needless to say the rain did not come and that was one of the incidents where swami said you know that swami showed them that he had actually control over the elements and one of the final things about bukapatnam school days i don't think prem that we will have time to delve in into that maybe we can do it the next time is finally how after not being permitted to write the exam for that year swami was allowed to take up the examination the eslc examination that is the elementary school leaving certificate examination the next year and the events and the adventures that happened they had to go to penukonda right penukonda penukonda to write the, the examination swami describes that scene i think is as you said we should save it for we the next time we should save it for the next time and i think all of his classmates wrote the exam the next year because hmm? as one of those classmates shared of all of them had failed and they had to retake the examination so what happened during the examination and the stories associated with that examination are wonderful and uh, if you found kamlapuram and bukapatnam exciting let us tell you that orokonda is is the peak you know because there's suddenly a burst of incidents which start happening and swami 
almost literally decides that it is time to show up you know it's time to tell people that yes i'm here and even as he declares he says my devotees are waiting for me and literally you could see that urgency in the stream of events which happened in those few months swami spent in urukonda so that's definitely going to be very interesting but dear listeners satyam shum sundaram we will take a break and if you have any suggestions please do write to us and as always you can write to listener at radiosai.org well with that we come to the end of this afternoon satsang as always it was a great privilege and pleasure to be with you dear listeners and revel in swami's stories and swami's glories and as always both prem and me are very very grateful to swami for giving us this opportunity it is such a rare and beautiful opportunity and we hope that throughout our life we can spend in his name in his glory in his beautiful life story so before we conclude we offer our pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet sai ram you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on May 2nd, 2013. We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosai.org. Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.